Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. <laughs> Elizabeth, hi. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited you're here. This is so fun. You're my guinea pig in this this whole thing. I've never had a client on before. I love it. So, I, first time for everything. <laughs> first time for everything. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your business because it's very exciting and interesting and people were very excited you were coming on um, and then talk about us working together too. So I guess because if I explain chasing paper, <laughs> I'm going to say something stupid. <laughs> so can you just tell us, and I should start off by saying guys, Elizabeth Reese is the owner of chasing paper, which is an incredible company that she will explain <laughs> and was a client of mine who we worked together a few months ago with both of your daughters, yes. um, Uma and Marlo. So yeah, so tell us a little bit about Chasing Paper. Yeah. Like what, what, what you do. Yeah, I love that. I also love hearing other people explain my business because sometimes it can be very, you know, illuminating to me about like how we're getting out into the world. But Chasing Paper is love a, um, a wall coverings company. Um, I started it almost 10 years ago. It's turning 10 in March of next year, which wow. I cannot believe. Um, we started with a very simple idea. I was living in New York City. I would go into every beautiful restaurant in New York and there would be wall coverings in the bathroom or on an accent wall. Or I just found it in all these places, like in really cool stores. And I was like, I wish I could have wallpaper in my home. Of course, I rented. I had very strict rules. It was like a pre-war building. Um, and... Yeah. You know, when I started looking into removable, there was just not a ton in the category. There was things that were very low end, very like clip art, um, made from vinyl, things that were very expensive, very bespoke, one of a kind things. Um, but there was really nothing in the middle. And as a consumer, I sat in the middle, right? I couldn't afford things that were like yeah. $10,000. It was a rental, a tiny little West Village re rental. Yeah. Um, but I also knew yeah. that I didn't want things that just looked super generic or that were made from plastics. Um, and I kind of was off to the races. I started it again, 10 years ago, just with, um, peel and stick. Um, since then we've, um, gone into traditional wall coverings and two meeting the kind with paste, um, that are a little bit more permanent because, you know, probably similar to you and your business with people with kids, it's like, there's an evolution of our customer, you know, um, I just like in my life, I've had an, had an evolution. I lived in New York for 10 years. Now I live back in the Midwest. I'm raising my two girls. Wait, this is so weird. We both lived in New York for 10 years. And in, we're in the West Village. Right? I was what, on what, like, Grove street? between like at Bleecker, Grove, Grove and Bleecker. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, that street has changed so much now. <laughs> yeah. Very it is. But back then it was like, it was like Bleecker Street Bar. And yeah, like yeah, totally. Yes. Lots yeah. of little mom and pop places. Now it's all big, beautiful stores. Like <laughs> it's totally a different vibe. So the, the city evolved with your customer. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we always say we're just always listening and talking to our customer. You know, we really grew up in that like time when like, you know, Harry's and Morby Parker and Birchbox and all of yes. those were really coming yeah. up. And it was a very incredible time for direct to consumer in that like companies were taking back that power of speaking directly to the customer. It was also the time when social media was starting. So we could actually have direct conversations. This was before the algorithm stuff happened <laughs> um, when you could actually speak to your customers and you can amass a following for literally no marketing budget. Um, it was just as good as the content you were putting out um, as good as your storytelling was. And, um, you know, we were really lucky to get a following kind of early on and, and just, again, speaking, what, what did our customers want? What were they after? What, what were they looking for that they couldn't find? Um, 
And yeah, we were one of the first to market with peel and stick. Um, and we tried to revolutionize and innovate in the sense that we were like, what do people not like about wallpaper? What gives them PTSD? That's like everyone at a cocktail party <laughs> will find me and tell me like this horror story of having to take down wallpaper at their grandma's house or whatever. Like people have such funny, like yeah, totally. nostalgic um, memories of wallpaper or the great things that like the wallpapers that they remember from their childhood or things that like in their favorite restaurant or, you know, it's very nostalgic for people. So long story long, yeah. um, we're a innovative wall coverings company. Um, we do tons of fun collaborations and really try to put out collections and collaborations that you feel like you've never seen before that are new to the wall covering space, which is really hard because wall coverings are like over a hundred years yeah. old. So, um, it can be hard to be, um, finding a new way to do a floral or a stripe or something like that. But we're, we're always striving to do that. That's amazing. And you're so right about like, just kind of the, the nostalgia of, of wall coverings and of wallpaper. But like, I think before you came along, it was either like your grandma's like hideous floral, like fifties, yeah. or it was like an extremely expensive home, right? It was like your rich aunt Lucille who has like wallpaper in every room, but like you could never afford 100%. Um, yes. And now it's like, you can have, I think it's really interesting. You mentioned like the Warby. I mean, I worked at Birchbox, so of course, but like Warby Park and all those places, like, I think there's like across so many categories now, like there's a you of everything. And you were like the, you are the one in wall coverings where like it's elevated and has like a very tasteful aesthetic without being like completely unattainable, right? It's aspirational. Completely. And you know, being Midwestern, and I think this is what I love about your business as well, is that it's like, we can all pretend that we like know more than the next person and whatever, but you also want someone who talks to you the way you talk to your friends. You know, you want it to be conversational. You want it to not feel like, I can't do that. Or, oh my gosh, look at her and what she's doing. It's, we believe that design for, should be for everyone and that everyone's included. Everyone's welcome. Um, you know, we have a project, whether it's like you want to just do like, you know, some wallpaper behind your built-ins, um, or you're uh, going to rent forever. Cause I mean, being in New, in New York for so long, it's like, if I would have stayed there, I would have rented forever. There's no way I could have afforded to buy something totally. in the city. And so it's like, we want to make sure that wherever you are in your life, um, either monetarily or, you know, whether you're just not that creative a person and you don't want to do a DIY or you want to do a full DIY, or you want to hire someone, wherever you are, we'll meet you there. And, um, you know, we really kind of try to keep yeah. our customer at the focus of everything that we do. Yeah, it definitely comes across. Um, to your point, like you want it to be, yeah, like I said, it's like it's aspirational, not unattainable, totally. right? Like you want, like I think when I go to your site or like see your content, to me, it feels very much like, wow, she's really good at this and like knows her stuff. And like if I save and am conscious and I'm thoughtful about what I pick, I'm going to have like this beautiful elevated room, not like, well, I could never get it. Yeah, that. totally. Like, that's, that's, that's scary. Because I think wall coverings are a little intimidating. Yes. And I'm saying that as somebody who loves them and ha I have some in my room. From, or in my in my house from your collaborator Inslee, one of my oh, friends, yeah. um, and it's you know it's it's overwhelming and it's like scary to like cover a room in a print. Sure. So it can be for sure, but yeah. we also really take it so seriously. And you know, we know that. I mean, I both of my girls' wall or rooms are wall papered, of course. Lots of places in my house are. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, we need to stop and say because I ask, as you know, and people should know this, as a part of my process, yes. I ask to see the, the sleep yeah. environment. Cause I want to see like, is there something unsafe? Like, do we have seven TV screens in the bedroom? But like, you know, every now and then I see a room and I'm like, now that is a room <laughs> I want in my house. 
And both of your daughters, I was like, oh, damn, these are great. See, so we had good sleep environments. That wasn't our issue. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints. Like, we are fine. We were set up for success off the bat. Because some of it is like, if the room is really cluttered or messy, I might also sometimes say, like, we should probably clean it up a little bit and make it a little more inviting. You want them to be happy there. Yours, I was like, who is not happy there? Why are you crying? <laughs> That's what my question seriously. was, too. I'm like, this is better than my room. What's happening here? But, you know, we also really take that seriously of like, you know, we are creating so many memories and this is sort of the backdrop for that. And, you know, not just wall coverings, but color and texture. I mean, that's so much in what you do too, is like creating those environments that feel calm, that feel safe, that feel, um, you know, regenerative and restorative. Um, you know, that's such a big part of what we do as well. It's how people feel in a space. And, you know, it's always the best part of my job is that I get to work with like artists and designers to create collections where that's the focus. It's like, how are people going to feel in this room? Um, you know, is it going to bring joy? Is it, you know, all of these things, which is just so fun. <laughs> I really, really enjoy that part of that. I don't enjoy all parts of my job, but that's a, a shining light. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you have to, you have to have a passion for, for sure. It, right? That's really important. You're going to be successful. Yeah. Can you think of like a turning point during the last decade when you realized this was going to go from like an idea that you were passionate about and like maybe your friends were like, go, go Elizabeth to something where you're like, wow, this is going to be like a profitable, like company that I'm going to be running for a long yeah, time. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. We had a lot of like quick, um, you know, like when you're kind of just, we were just talking about this before we started recording when you're sort of testing ideas, right? So there's a lot of failure in that, of course, you know, there's a lot of things that you try and you're like, wow, that didn't work. But again, coming up at the time, it was like, you know, 2012, 2013, um, like lean companies and failing fast was like a big kind of thing that was happening just sort of in the direct to consumer landscape. So I felt really lucky that I wasn't sidetracked by that a lot. Like in the beginning, I was like, Oh, great. It's just like another data point. Let's get another one and another one. It didn't feel as like scary or sad. It felt very like it almost, I almost made it made me feel actually accomplished in a weird way. So I definitely wouldn't say chasing paper was not like an overnight success. That is like the last thing I want to say. Cause I don't, if I find that very frustrating when founders are like, we launched and we had a hundred thousand people on our site and a, you know, 2000 person wait list. And, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, that just seems crazy to me. That is not at all how I built my business, but we did have a lot of data points early on good and bad, yeah. which I found to be very motivating because we, I, I, people were having a reaction good or bad, which allowed us totally. to shift. And it was literally just me. So I was able to be quick in how I yeah. shifted my focus um, I wasn't directing a 200 person team or even a 10 person team about like where their priorities were every day. I was able to just like wake up in the morning, see what was working, see what wasn't working, and then make decisions based on that and act quickly. Um, so I had a lot of that in my first year, which was quite frankly, it was addicting. Like I was totally addicted to that feeling of like making moves and shifting and gaining a little bit more momentum and shifting and gaining more momentum. It was fun. I mean, I was young. I was footloose, fancy free. You know? <laughs> I, like I, you know, I, I didn't have, um, you know, any of like the responsibilities I have now as like a wife and a mom. And, um, you know, so I, I was just kind of going with it. And then I would say, you know, at the, and everyone says this, you know, your two and three in business is really when people kind of decide to either continue doing it or not. Um, you know, the first year is right. a lot of learning. 
The second year is like, I think where you either are going to probably like decide that you're really going to do it or not. Um, I think mo- it's like a statistic that most businesses fail from like year two to three, because it's like, you're either going to yeah. do it or you're not. And um, I definitely had enough momentum. Um, and, you know, we were like just turning a profit where I felt like we could do something. And then I would say really five years ago, so maybe four or five years into the business, um, my brother, who's my business partner, um, and I decided to come back to Milwaukee and really do it. We had seen kind of an inflection point just in revenue where we were like, if I wanted to continue to stay doing it in New York, um, it would have been hard. I mean, New York is super expensive. We would have needed bigger office spaces. Um, it just felt, I felt like it was going to be super hard to pull ahead. I'm also very Midwestern. I want, it's very important for me to run a profitable business. That's not for everyone. Some people are like, I want to scale at all costs. I'm going to, you know, put every penny back in. Um, I did not want to run a business that way. I wanted to run a business where I could make a living and um, take days off and, you know, have a life. Like have a- yes, totally. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, five years ago, we moved the business back to Milwaukee, which was super scary because I thought, you know, is the business going to still have the same cachet and am I going to still be meeting the right people to move my business along, which New York is obviously a hub for that. Um, but we've flourished, you know, it's been really wonderful. And, um, you know, the work-life balance I think has been really great. Um, so that was kind of another inflection point. And then obviously the pandemic, which was so crazy. Um, but obviously for home, home businesses, um, it was a huge, um, like boon. I mean, it was, it was really, um, a great time to be online, to be a DIY product. Maybe that was actually like good for you. You were online and it was like, you're not going anywhere. So why don't you make your house a lot yeah, and, and for yeah. especially for peel and stick, when people were not allowing contractors or installers into their homes, peel and stick was something that mm-hmm. they could tackle in a weekend. People were looking for a project. Yeah. Um, you know, they had extra money. They were not traveling. They weren't going to restaurants. So they had money to spend on things that maybe they wouldn't have prior. Um, yeah, so 2020 was also a huge inflection point for our business. And then we've just really been riding that momentum ever since. That's amazing. Like, I feel like all along there have just been like evolutions and it's been getting better and better. That's it has, but of course, I I mean, I want to always say that with like the grain of salt where there's been like 2 million failures (laughs) on that way too, you know, like the things that go just so wrong and sideways. And again, we always just look at those or we try to look at those as data points and, and different things that we can kind of learn and glean and do better the next time. Yes. You seem very like centered on all of it. You know, I'm the same way. I'll like test something and then be like, like I did this thing. I don't know. I had this idea, like I'm going to do custom schedules for people. It'll be like a really low access point because maybe their kids sleep well. They just need a new schedule. And I think like two people bought it ever. And they were both like existing clients. I'm like, you could have <laughs> yeah. like, you the schedule. But it was like a good, you have to make those decisions, you know, or like you also, I'm sure you've had this experience where like other people's, other people get in your head, right? There's other people in my industry or even other entrepreneurs who are like, if you, you know, you have to have this kind of discount strategy, you have to like, and then I'm like, I know my person and they don't care about that. And when I do that, like I, I, t- I did a giveaway. That's what it was. I did a giveaway for Mother's Day. And I was like, I don't enter giveaways. Like ever. <laughs> I've never entered a giveaway. And my client is me for the most part. So I did it and no one entered it. And so I like texted my friends and like, you guys need to comment <laughs> on my Mother's Day giveaway. And like, I'll give it to one of you because no one entered it. It's like, you have to like have a sense of humor yes. about it and you have to like be open to like not everything being a booming success, right? In order to move forward, you can't like fixate on that and be like, why doesn't anyone want to give away? Do they not? Completely, like like, completely. And it's so funny. Like when I was 
um, footloose and fancy free in New York, I was going on like a million first dates. And I always like my big, you know, like they all talk about like red flags now. My big red flag would yeah, be yeah. when the guy would like lean in, like, you know, we'd have like a drink. He'd lean in and he'd be like, let me tell you what you should do with your business. Immediately, I'd be like, this is done. Because he was like trying to tell me something that he thought he was imparting on me, like some wise wisdom about how to run my business. And I was like, no one knows my business better than me. There's nothing that you could know about my business from 30 minutes of us talking. That's more, but, but in the beginning, I'd be like, in my mind, like writing notes, like every note that someone was giving me, I was like taking all of it in being like, Oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing this. I should care about that. My customer should care about that. But at, at the end of the day, especially now, I mean, I have been running my business for so long, like you, I mean, I know our customer, I know what she wants we're, we're, you know, they're it, exactly. It's also me. It's like, what do I want? What do I care about? You know? And, yeah. you know, you obviously have to have those check-ins and we're constantly talking with our cu- customers and, um, doing, you know, with our trade members and, you know, so different segments of our business. But I mean, that was always my big red flag thing. I was like, okay, we're done here. Check please. <laughs> the the mansplaining oh and the idea, like in our two businesses, like, wallpaper and baby sleep with the amount of dudes at parties that are like, you yeah. know what you should do? You what you need to do your own certification. You you should train all the people, all the sleep. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you <laughs> for that. Tidbit. Yeah. I'm going to go, go do that. <laughs> thank you so much. You're a genius. I never thought of that. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, was there a time when, Somebody like, oh, well, I guess that's kind of what I asked you, right? Like if, if somebody second guessed you, I mean, I guess it would be the mansplaining first dates, right? That they're second guessing you. And I feel um, like the- was, was there anything that you like thought was going to be a huge success and it like was not and vice versa, something that you were like, this will be like a little additive on the site. And now it's like 30% of your business. Totally. I mean, I, and I think the, the again, being Midwestern, I keep kind of hearkening back to this. When I started chasing paper, everyone like in my life in the Midwest, I mean, again, this is back in like 2012. So like put your mind back there. It was a totally different time. Everyone at home was like, Elizabeth, wallpaper is like the worst. Like no one wants wallpaper. Everyone is ripping it out of their houses. Like no one wants it. But I knew that it was a trend that was coming back. And obviously trends take time to trickle through the rest of the country. They start on the coast and they trickle through. I mean, that's just how it works with everything, with fashion, with home. And I mean, everyone thought I was insane that I was going to like sell wallpaper on the internet. I mean, people literally were like, oh, good idea. Like, (laughs) like you're crazy. Like, (laughs) totally. I mean, I, the looks I got, the like, oh dear, like, you know, like that Southern, like <laughs> kind of look of being like, yeah. oh, bless your heart. Bless yeah, your that heart. kind of feeling like it was like a Midwestern thing. It was probably like, totally. I don't know what the v- Midwestern version is, but it was something like, oh, good yeah. for you. No, you know, I grew up in Chicago, so this is yeah. all very relatable. I'm, I'm realizing how much we have in common here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, totally you know, I, but I, you know, I, I had a feeling, and again, it was just sort of that intuition I had where I was like, look, I want this. Like I would buy this. I would spend my money on it. I have a tiny apartment. Yep. I wouldn't need much wallpaper, but like the a little amount that I would need would make a huge impact. So, 
you know, I, I think there, there was a lot of that. And there still is that people who are like, you do what you sell what, you know, people, some people just won't get it, which is fine. Um, but in terms of successes and failures, I mean, when we first launched our art prints on our website and we still sell them and it's not a huge moneymaker for us because it's such a cluttered market. I mean, everyone sells art prints, like literally right. everyone. It's like you go on Wayfair and there's like a million SKUs. So it's like, it's a very hard thing to like find uniqueness in and difference in. But I thought like, oh, we have all of these people coming to our website for stuff for their walls, of course they'll buy art prints. And they did not. And they still really don't. It's not something that is like a huge moneymaker for us. Again, I like always have these dreams of like adding to it and whatever, but it's like, it, what it isn't something it's so hard to be competitive in terms of like search terms and, you know, ads and all of that stuff. It's so competitive that it's like, and you're up against like Home Depot and like, you know, like these huge (laughs) companies. Um, so that was like a, not a failure, but again, it was a data point, things that we're always kind of trying to like yeah, work that- and rework and figure it out. And like, now we realize that like kids prints, like prints that are specifically for children's rooms do do better. So it's like, okay, can we like find artists and designers to help us create more in that segment? You know, not just like, let's do art prints, yeah. which is so general. Um, something that we didn't realize how quickly would grow is we added, um, when we launched with, um, Arielle Oaken, who's an amazing interior designer. Um, I think that was like, yeah, three or four years ago now we knew, you know, she's an interior designer. We knew a little bit about her customer. Um, and we felt like adding traditional stock, you know, something beyond peel and stick, which is something we had been thinking about for a long time, made a ton of sense with her, um, collection specifically, And, um, now it's like 50% of our business is traditional wall coverings. So we definitely were like, that was something that paid off and we were not sure it was, we were like, oh, we'll try it. We'll add it with this, you know, while we're launching this collection, um, just to see, we like made the assumption that it would only kind of sell with certain collections. It doesn't like it sells with every collection on our site. And, um, the AOV is like three times higher than it is for peel and stick. So it's better all around. So not only are people, you know, buying it, but they're buying way more of it because they're probably doing an entire room and the ceiling or, you know, whatever, and rooms might be bigger and whatever. So, um, you know, that was a great success that we're, we're continuing on. And in 23, we're going to add even more substrates to the site or materials to our site. So we're really excited for what's, what's coming. I love those. Those are really good examples. Um, and like you said, you're just pivoting and like changing what you do. Um, okay. Well, we'll move on to the sleep part because I could talk about chasing (laughs) paper all day. So the fun, I feel like the funny thing about our experience together is you actually reached out to me like when I, my business was a baby business, it was brand new. Um, but we didn't end up working together. You had, you know, some, I think with Uma, there was like something going on, but you were also super pregnant. I remember talking to you and you were like, yes, I'm doing like four days (laughs) or like something crazy. Oh man. She's like in the thick of it. And so you like obviously had Marlo and like we didn't work together and you came back like two years later yes. or a year and a half maybe. Um, so like, what was the catalyst where you were like, okay, I'm like, I'm ready to pull the trigger and like do this and, and make it. Make yes. Change. I think for me, it was what's so funny is that being an entrepreneur, I am so used to like working sort of in like a vacuum or like on timelines and just like, you know, quarter one, quarter two, and everything is so kind of scheduled and 
motherhood has been sort of the opposite for me of that. Like it has been, I, I went into motherhood thinking like, Oh, this is going to be what I see on Instagram. You know, like all these working moms are like bouncing a baby on their hip while running a multimillion dollar. I mean, that's how it seemed. I know that that sounds so insane to anyone. No, it doesn't. But I really thought, Oh, this is going to be super casual and fun. And I'm going to like find time for everything. And, you know, and, I didn't realize how much my creativity is, is dependent on me getting sleep. Um, when I reached out to you the first time I, um, wasn't in the thick of it. I was pregnant. I had a baby and my girls are only 14 months apart. Um, and we were in the thick of it. We were in a pandemic and I was just so overwhelmed. I think I am a person where I like put things on my to-do list and I, you know, but my, my own stuff had gotten pushed further and further down, you know? And when I reached yeah. out to you the second time, it was really because I felt like I could not be myself. Like I was not showing up in my work, yeah. in my marriage, in my relationship with my girls. I was not myself. And it was 100% because I wasn't sleeping and it was compounded, right? Over like two years of having two babies. Oh. And it just really came to a head where I was like, I can't show up like this for anyone. And just for myself, I hadn't felt like myself in a really, really long time. And it had gotten to like a scary point where I was like, this is just, you know, it just felt pretty dire if I'm totally honest. And, you know, I'm sure that's where many people meet you. And I could not tell people the, I wish that people don't take what, don't let it get to that point. I mean, it's like, it's, I wish I had done it the first time I reached out to you. Cause I think life would have been different for that year, but, um, we made it to you and it was amazing. So. <laughs> you made it. And sometimes, you know, everyone has like their reasons why I feel like this is a question I want to always ask. And when I have one of these segments, cause I think it's good to just hear perspectives of like, what, what made you bite the bullet? And I think you're right. And I like to say not because it's my business, but because it's true for me that like sleep is the foundation 100%. of health, right? Like I, 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 um, I was listening to a podcast where they were interviewing the founder of Parsley Health and she was saying like your, you know, your day starts the night before when you Absolutely. go to bed, right? So it's like you have, you're up on your laptop till 2am stressing about something and like spiraling all night or your baby's crying, whatever it is, like your 9am call is not going to go as well. It's just, just like a fact you know, you can prep as much and have as much coffee Absolutely. as you want. Um, and something that, something that my husband so, and I talked about a lot, like before this, and then during the process working with you was that like, he and I are both pretty like type A in like our work lives. We're both like high achievers, very driven, like love our work, but there's a level. And again, I don't know. We're, we're very similar in some ways, but we're also very kind of Midwestern is that like predictability is such a big thing for both of us to feel safe and secure and productive. And every single night yeah. we, we would get into bed and we would look at each other and we, it was our running joke. We'd be like, Oh, did they tell you what time they're going to get up? Oh, okay, cool. Two. Oh, one Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. I'll set my alarm. You know, it was like this kind of running joke, which is, and we still kind of do it because we're like, Not funny, yeah, yeah, because we were like trying to create this predictive because every night it felt like what's tonight going to bring? Who knows? Like what's tomorrow going to be like at work if we don't sleep? And we'd also kind of look to each other, like, are we tag teaming this tonight? Are you on? Am I on? You know, we were always kind of trying to create predictability out of a very unpredictable situation. And I think 
what we both loved about working with you is that it helped us actually create some predictability where like we knew what we were going to need to do during the night. We had kind of these like, we're both good rule followers, you know, but like before that we were just like shooting from the hit, trying whatever thing we had read on the internet, like be Googling things at two in the morning. I mean, it was just completely the blind leading the blind. And, you know, it, it, Again, I think we both are used to just sort of like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to let them cry or we're going to whatever. But then we were changing what we were doing week by week, which is a recipe for disaster for sure. For sure. Which is like what so many people do, right? It's like, I try very hard because I'm that way too. I like, I'll do it if I trust what I'm being told that it's the right thing. And I have like... An, an actual set of rules, not just like, if they wake up, go in once or twice. It's like that, which is, I think what a lot of people hear, they hear something mm-hmm. very vague like that, like check on them a few times until they, until they aren't crying as hard. And you're like, what does totally. that mean? So I go in every two minutes. Do I stay in the room? Like what do I, and people just are confused. And they're doing different things every night. And the baby's like, what Completely. is going on? And something I, else I loved working yeah. about you is, I mean, my girls are 14 months apart. So, I mean, we always like joke, like they're peers, you know, they're like yeah. twins, but not, you know, they're like so close in age. But yeah. I think we were also trying to always do the same thing for both of them because we were like, oh, they're like practically the same age, you know, like Uma never felt that much older than Marlo um, for a long time, just because right. they were both like babies. Um, but you know, I think what was really nice is it was like a personalized, like I knew what to do for Uma. I knew what to do for Marlo. It wasn't a one size fits all, which I also think is when you look on the internet, it's so blanketed. It's so general. It's so vague. And it's like, if they're 18 months to five years, do this. And it's like, uh, like, you know, cause Uma was like potty training then, you know, it's like, there's just, it's, yeah. And that just happened in like a six month window of like, they were very similar to like, not, you know, it just happened kind of overnight, those changes and things that were happening between the two of them. And, you know, really having a plan for each child was also very helpful for Brian and I, because I was kind of like, okay, you've got Marlo, I've got Uma. We were able to kind of like man to man it, you know? <laughs> right. And sometimes it's those very small nuances that really matter. Like the one who's potty training and the one who still like takes a bottle before bed or something, like whatever the like small things are, it like matters if you address that, right? One is still napping, one is not, whatever. Completely. Um, Yeah. Yes. That's great. So, I mean, you kind of explained like the, this is sort of like the same question, I guess, like the catalyst for going through the process, but like what, now that you're kind of on the other side, like what do you think has been the most positive impact on your personal life, like whether it's you and Brian, your friendships, your work, um, or sorry, like, yeah, your personal life and then your professional life, like what has like changed for you in it? I mean, I can truly say, I mean, I think I emailed this to you, like after we had done like just a couple of weeks, I mean, we are, we were a different family. I mean, I like cannot stress that enough where like everyone's mood was better. Everyone's day started better. And I am a person too. I mean, Uma and I have this thing now because I take her to school in the morning and we like blast music and we have like a dance party on the way to school. And it's so fun because it like gets my endorphins going. It gets her. We like start the day so like cheerful and happy. Even if we're like crabby, we like dance out the crabbies, you know, whatever. And it's like, we would, I would not even have had the thought to do like anything fun with her in the morning, which sounds insane. But I was like mad. I was mad all night from not sleeping. I'd wake up mad. I'd wake, you know, I'd be like mad at Brian. I'd be like, you know, just this underlying, I mean, probably like at my team, 
like it was just like a year or probably over a year where I just had this underlying like rage at all times, which sounds insane when I think back on it. Cause I'm like, God, I wish I had like addressed that faster. But I mean, I am just a person and some people don't need as much sleep. Like I require eight hours to be, to feel like myself. And I totally now that we all get that plus some, if we need it, you know, like the other night I wasn't feeling good. I went to bed at like eight 30 and I slept, you know, till six 30. And that was amazing. <laughs> like it was exactly what I needed. And I think it's just the consistency of that knowing that like more often than not, that's possible. And like, of course, kids get sick and get teeth and things happen with sleep, of course, but we're in such a good stable place where the baseline is good sleep. And then if you have those hiccups, it feels almost like nothing, you know, it it feels like, oh, we had a couple bad nights. I can handle that. My body is so much more restored and recharged that like it can handle some bumps in the road. But I mean, right. It's not like that sense of dread. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. This might never end. It's like, well, she has a bad stomach bug and she'll be better in a few days. Completely. And I think especially with my, you know, with work-life balance is like, I think I was so down on myself as like a mom because I was like, I'm like failing my family when everyone was not sleeping. You know I mean? It was like, there were just some nights where we would be up for hours and hours and like everyone would be up, you know, cause we don't live in like a huge house, but it's like, you know, we, it was just yeah. so bad. And I was, and, and again, I think a lot of that sometimes falls on the mom. And I think in the same way at work, totally. you know, I feel a, re- a lot of responsibility to lead my team and, you know, I have other people's livelihoods, re- you know, relying on chasing paper. And so I felt during that time, there was a lot of compounding. It just felt like I had like a huge weight on me at all times. And just the sleep component of it. I mean, I, I am such a better like leader at work. I'm such a better mom. I'm such a better wife. Like it's honestly like what you, I think you said that to me on like the, one of our first calls where you were like, the sleep is the foundation. And it is so true. I like cannot stress it enough. Like it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it was truly life-changing for us and for our family. I mean, I, it's the best. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great pitch. Yeah. You, yeah. That use that sound that. bite. <laughs> Love it. I'm saving that sound bite, but it's true. And I'm so glad you guys have that. And you seem very bright eyed and bushy tailed this morning. I'm the one drinking coffee, but you don't seem like you I, need it, which is great. Or I guess for you, it's, it's it 11 is 1142, but so. you know what? I mean, it's, it's truly amazing how like, and again, I think I want to show up in my work and in my life, you know, as myself. And I can't believe how long I wasn't myself. I mean, that's the only thing that I ever feel like, you know, looking back on if I could do anything over, it's just like, I think as moms and also this goes, I see this with other, you know, entrepreneurial women, you know, I, a lot of times get people asking advice about starting a business and whatever. And I think as women, we take on so much we're expected, you know, there's just, we carry so much like emotional and, you know, and physical too. I mean, there's just like, I, you know, I probably walk 20,000 steps a day, just chasing toddlers. And it's just, it's so like when I'm going to bed at night, I'm so tired. I need that sleep. I need that, that time to restore that, you know, I just, I, I think women, we just take on so much and that we can ask for help and it's great to rely on other people and you don't need to be the expert in everything. Like I'm an expert in wall coverings. How niche is that? But like, I'm not a niche or I'm not an expert in how to sleep train and how to get my, get my girls to sleep through the night. And that's okay. Like, I don't need to be the the expert in everything. And 
I think not everyone has everything figured out. Like they, you feel like they do on Instagram. You know? like, no one does. That is why I like to say we're all good at something. Yeah, no one is good so at everything. True. So totally. It is what it is. And you're right. I think as, as women in general, and especially as women who have professional separate lives, we have a tendency to put others first. You're thinking about your business. You're thinking about your team. You're thinking about your kids, your spouse, your home, whatever. And it's like, you forget that if like you're not operating, if you're operating at 70%, then all of those things, it has a ripple effect, right? And like beyond that, you deserve what you need, right? And sometimes you have to like take a step out and be like, what do I need? Not like what do the kids need or the company? And it's so true. And it's like, and I also want to set that. I mean, maybe I feel more of a responsibility because I have two little girls is that I also want to make sure that you know, I'm, I'm thinking about like the example that I'm setting, which is like, you know, my husband and I are very much a partnership or very much a team. Um, and we do like equal amount for the girls. Um, so not, uh, and I'm very lucky to have a partner like that. I, I feel like, um, you know, that's really what I was seeking in a partner. Um, but at the same time, I know that they're going to be looking at me to like, see how is she asking for help? How is she, you know, taking things and juggling things, which is like, I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all, you know? So, um, you know, doing the best you can every day and every day that's going to be so different too, you know, the priorities and what you have going on and what needs to be kind of at the top of your list versus the bottom of your list. And, um, you know, kind of acting accordingly and every day is kind of different, but now at least we have that foundation of sleep where, you know, before that was, also something where I was like, it's on the list, but who knows if I'll ever get it. (laughs) And, you know, and then one day, like Uma and Marlo will look back and be like, our mom built this incredible company, but she was also very present with us and she took care of us and she took care of herself. And like, that's what you want, right? You don't want them to be like, yeah, our mom has this amazing company, but she like ran herself into the ground and like, you know, she was covering it to the grave. Like that's completely. And I, so Seems like you well, and I, I really, and, uh, really, really like cannot even believe women who and you you're in this group who can start businesses after they become a mom. Like I think that is like the gold standard of entrepreneurship because I had the luxury of building a business for so many years before I had kids and. Like I truly meet moms who are, who've created businesses all the time, like in, like from motherhood. And I'm like, I just find that to be like so inspiring because, you know, I, I truly find myself to be very lucky that I was able to kind of set myself up for this too, where I like, you know, I do have flexibility at work. I can pick Uma up from school at three, three thirty, and, you know, bring her home and continue to kind of work and do things while she's here. And, um, you know, that took so many years of building to get myself to that point. Um, and, you know, I, I, I find myself to be very lucky, but, you know, women are doing so many things and building so many incredible businesses. And, um, you know, it's amazing. And I count you as part of that group. It's like truly incredible. Cause I don't think I could have built Chasing Paper now in my life. I just don't think I could have done it. I think you could, <laughs> you could. because you know what I think? I think that motherhood gives you a new skill set, even if you were a great multitasker and planner beforehand. Like I was thinking, as you were saying that I have like this two friends actually in particular, I'm thinking of who are stay at home moms of three kids, but I mean, they run their lives. I mean, truly stay at home moms actually deserve the actual medal. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like incredible. It's like this kid has this thing and I have to drop off this yes. and then I volunteer. And it's like, I mean, they're as Absolutely. busy as I am for sure. And it's like, if you have that skill set and you can like pivot and like you have a, I mean, you have to have like a skill set yes. and a very good idea yes. and like all those things. But like you have those things and I think you, you would have been great. But I agree. Like having that baseline, I'm sure made it, made yes. the transition. Yes. And I a think also too, I mean, Brian and I talk about this a lot is that you know, I was like, I wasn't, I was 35 when I had my first baby. So, I mean, I was like, you know, I had lived a lot of my life sort of on my own and at my own pace and did my own thing and worked as late as I want to work or got up as early or as late as I, you know, like I really was able to be kind of like the captain of my own ship for a very, very long time. And so, you know, I think that that was another thing with sleep that was so difficult is that it was so like jarring from my life, you know, like in my twenties, I could like get no sleep and be fine. But as I've gotten older, I just, my sleep is so, so important. So true. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's multifaceted. It's hard yeah. To <laughs> yeah, and you also the other thing about like parenting, which is true for a business too, but with parenting, I mean, really and truly, there's no days off, right? So it's like if you have a late night for whatever reason, like the kids are still going to get up at six thirty yeah. or seven or whatever it is. <laughs> so like you're not you can't sleep in tomorrow and like lazily answer no, emails. No, absolutely not. Like, uh, although not. I wish for that sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you know what? I always remind myself, I'm sure you do this too, but anytime I get in like a slightly resentful thing of that being like, I wish I could just bang this out and like, whatever. I remember that in, I always imagine one of my kids like slamming the, their door in my face and being like, don't talk to me. And like how like that is going to, yeah. it's going to happen for sure. It's going to break my heart. And I need to just lean into the phase of like everyone wanting to touch me and talk to me at Completely. all times because the days are limited. And if you're getting good rest, you're much more appreciative of those little grubby fingers. Totally. And I will say too, I mean, before when I wasn't getting any sleep, I was like, not unwilling, but I was like literally unable to do any work at night because my, I was so brain dead. Like I was so tired that like, if I made it till exactly, exactly. I mean, I could not get into my bed like fast enough. And now it's like, I don't mind. The girls are down by, you know, seven thirty-eight, and I can have time if I need to finish something up that I couldn't get done because there's lots of needs with a two, two and three year old, you know, then I can do that. And it does not feel like a prison sentence. It feels like fine. It honestly feels like I can sit at my computer and have a little, you know, something to eat, a little snack, watch some TV and finish those emails or finish whatever I need to do. And it, and it makes you know, it just takes a lot of that pressure off feeling like I have nights to myself now where it's like, I can work. I could not, again, depending on the day, depending on what's going on, you know, I can kind of decide that I just, that, that has been a big game changer for me as well. And then I'm not brain dead, that I can actually like my brain works at 8 PM. <laughs> you're, like, you're, you're like regaining a little bit of control of your life and not, not a slave to like how truly get into bed. Which is also just depressing, um, like to put your kids to bed and then you go right to, which is what I was doing before because I was so desperate for sleep that I wasn't having any time to just unwind, hang out with my husband, like hang out by myself, go on a walk, have a glass of wine with yes. a friend. Like I wasn't doing any of it. Cause I was like, I physically cannot do it. Um, yeah. You need that so badly, right? You have to have completely have that time to yes. yourself. Um, well, this has been so Oh my incredible. gosh, thank, thank you. you. I feel very inspired yeah. to be from my whole house, first of all. I'm like, my balls. I'm like double thinking, like, I have these great curtains, like, I might need, I don't know, I don't know what I need to do. We'll I love offline. it. We'll talk offline. But oh my gosh, of course. Anything. This is this so fun. I, I can't wait for it to come out and share it with our my community, too, because ours is also a lot of 
a lot of mamas um, who follow Chasing Paper. So, yes, they'll be listening to it as they peel and stick yes. and plot changes. Love it. In their <laughs> I love it. Thank you, thanks, Elizabeth. Bye, bye. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.